Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. So um, Dr. Joshua Mays, right, is in his fourth week right now as our new Associate Director of Music Ministry here at Village Presbyterian Church. We are so glad and so grateful, Joshua, that you are with us. Friends, listen for the Word of God as it comes to us this day. This is from the book of James. So we're continuing. This is the third of four sermon series on practical wisdom from James. So uh, we started off uh, two weeks ago. Um, listening matters. Some of you were here, you remember, you may have heard or read online. So um, James says in the first chapter, be quick to... Oh, good. Be quick to listen. Be slow to what? And slow to... Ah, lovely. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Then last week, we talked about actions matter. What's the aphorism? Finish it, please. Actions speak, go. Yeah, actions speak louder than words. Today we're talking about words matter. So this comes to us from the third chapter of James. Would you pray with me, please, as we pray for the illumination of the Holy Spirit? So, O God, your psalmist sings, and our pastor Sally reminded us that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So give us your light, O God, through these words. Remove from inside of us anything that might hinder your spirit, your mothering spirit, from speaking to us. We thank you, O God, for your faithfulness to all generations. And God's people say, Amen. So listen for the chapter, third chapter of James. This is the second part of the fifth verse through the twelfth verses. This is the New Revised Standard Version translation. Listen for the word of God. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. Another word for iniquity, please. Oh, good, sin, right? The tongue is placed among our members as a world of sin. (coughs) Sorry, it stains the whole body. Sets on fire the cycle of nature and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by human species. But no one can tame the tongue. A restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives? Or grapevine figs, no more can salt water yield fresh. Then, a paraphrase of what we just read in the translation. This comes from Gene Peterson. 
It's printed in your bulletin. So if you would look at your bulletin with me, please. And let's read this paraphrase together. Remember, a translation means a bunch of Bible scholars got into a room and they looked at what? Original texts mean three languages primarily. What were they? Go. Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. Well done. A paraphrase has no claim to going to original texts. A paraphrase, actually Gene Peterson, this is why it says by Gene Peterson. Um, Gene Peterson, a Presbyterian scholar, minister, he wrote this based upon the translations. And all he's trying to do is put it in contemporary language. Let's see if you think he succeeded. So let's read together Gene Peterson's paraphrase of this James passage. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Cursings and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next, does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Thanks be to God. Amen. So a number of you know that I'm second of four boys in my family. And when I was growing up in the Nishioka household, our parents had set a rule for us. One of them was that there are two S words we could not say. If they caught us saying these S words out loud, we knew we were going to be in trouble. So I was home from college having dinner at the house, a home-cooked meal. Mom and Dad were in their usual places at either end of the dining room table. Across from me, my little brothers, Garfield, who's the third one, and Brandon, who's the youngest one, and spoiled and a problem. He was across from me. I'm here. I think my oldest brother, Jason, was there, but I can't remember. What I remember is this, is that we were eating great food that Mom had made for us, an amazing cook, and Brandon and Garfield, teenagers at that point, were arguing over something inane. This was not unusual. They were constantly fighting, constantly arguing. I remember I'm eating, and then I heard it. Brandon, out of his mouth, said to Garfield, Shut up, you're so stupid. Well, I stopped eating. Those were the two S words. We can't say those words in this household. I remember looking up and thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be really good. <laughs> so I waited 
and nothing happened. So I looked at my folks, dad, mom, and they were just, they were just eating. So I had to call attention to this moment. I said, um, dad, mom, excuse me, did you, did, you not hear, did you not hear what your youngest child said to the third son? Did you, just, did you hear what Brandon said to, just now, Garfield? Did you not hear this? Now, I, I don't know. I've never been a parent. I don't, I don't know what happens to some of you who are parents. But something happens for some of you that as you get older, you lose your ability to parent. So I'm pointing this out to mom and dad, and mom turns to me and says, no, I'm so, no Roger, what, what? I didn't hear. I said, you didn't hear that? Brandon just said to Garfield, you're so good. I couldn't even say it then, in front of them, right then. I couldn't say it at the table. And mom said, oh, Roger, j- just eat. I know. Yet one more injustice foisted upon us who are older children, and one more reason for therapy later on, right? Right, 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 okay? I recall dad saying, Roger, just eat. What is going on? I'm like, yeah! What I remember, though, is that early on, mom and dad were trying to teach us that words matter. There's an importance to words. That's exactly where James goes in this text. Listening matters, actions matter, and today we're on words matter. James says it's all about the tongue. The problem is the tongue. The tongue is like a fire that starts off and burns down the entire forest. As you heard Sally pray for the American West right now, we know that. We're watching that happen around the world. The tongue is like a fire. You can't even tame the tongue, you human beings. You have tamed all kinds of other creatures. Jean Peterson says, you've even tamed a tiger, but you can't seem to tame your own tongue. Out of your mouth, using that same tongue, you bless God, then you turn around and you curse your loved ones, strangers, friends, people you don't even know. How dare you? This can't go on, you believers in Jesus Christ. Because words have great power. Words can hurt and tear down. Words wound us. You know the aphorism, this other aphorism, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but finish. You know that's not true. Because words can wound. And long after your cuts and bruises and broken bones have healed, those words still rest in you. Those horrible difficult words that tore you down then, they still stay inside of you. So in the 20th century, we sort of had this look as academics about words and language. We sort of thought that language and words, they were sort of benign. They were actually just tools. So, so words and language are tools for humankind. We use them however we choose. But in the 21st century, we've changed. We now believe and understand that words are not just benign tools for human beings. Words have great power. They actually have the ability to create reality. Words just don't describe reality. Words create the world. 
The way you use language, the kind of words you say to yourself and to others and to God, creates a reality. Okay, so I'm going to use this as an illustration. All right, so this is called, by Tupperware, this is a shape sorter. And these are sort of the updated, cool, trendy colors. But the original, right, you can see this, right? The original is the blue and the red, right? If you grew up, this is a 50-year-old-plus toy by Tupperware. If you grew up with this, raise your hand so I can see. A number of you have seen this, right? Okay? So it's, it's for young children. The goal is to help them understand it's that they can see an object, a shape, and they can also see shapes here, right? So inside this ball are all of these different shapes. Oh, rats. Okay, so... Wow, really? Okay, so inside this ball are all these different shapes. So for instance, here's a star shape, right? And the kid, the child's supposed to be able to find the star shape and fit it in here. And that's success, right? So imagine that this toy is you, is your identity, is your personality, is your self-image. And imagine that through your life, the only words you've been given about you, your identity, your self-image, are words that are positive, that build you up. You are kind. You are so gracious. You are so beautiful. You are so smart. You're so clever. If you get those words consistently, then you create shapes in your identity, in your soul, that receive those words, because those words are the most prevalent words growing up. You begin to create a shape in you that receives these positive words, and it drops into your soul, and it fits. But imagine this. Imagine if you were given words that are not words that build up. If the words you heard growing up, you are such a problem. You are worthless. You are such a difficult, difficult person. You really don't have any friends. If those were the words that you grew up with, then you would create a shape in your identity to receive those words, and that would shape who you are, and how you think about yourself, how you see yourself in the world. It would create your own reality. So that when someone comes along who tries to give you something beautiful and positive and wonderful, it doesn't fit because all you know are words that put yourself down. It's one of the reasons why some people who grew up in abusive relationships continue to perpetuate that. They choose other abusive relationships because this is all that they know. All they understand is a shape that hurts them. It's why words are so important in these days because words have the power to create reality. But words also have the power to heal and to build up. I know that because I've seen it. So in March, in Atlanta, where I used to live for 15 years, a young man, deeply troubled, shot and killed eight people, six of whom were Asian-American women. Continuing a rise in anti-Asian hatred in this country based upon COVID-19. 
and the notion that Asians were responsible culprits for bringing this virus to the United States. It was the following week that I was walking to church. Some of you know I live about a mile and a half away, and during the shutdown, I began to not drive anymore. I began to walk because there was no reason for me to have a car. I wasn't going to see you in a hospital room or go visit you in your home. I wasn't going to take you out to coffee or meet you for lunch, and so I had nowhere to drive to, so I began walking back and forth, mile and a half, easy to do, and a usually beautiful time. 7.30 in the morning, I was leaving my house, walking here to church to go to work. I came down Grenada Street, which is right over here. There's a woman coming toward me. She's older. She's short. She had a little puffy white dog on a leash. Um, she's coming toward me. I stepped into the street to walk past her, COVID protocol, respectful. We made eye contact just as we were coming to each other. I smiled at her. She smiled back at me. I nodded. She nodded. We said good morning. I just walked right past her. She walked past me. After just a few steps, I heard, I I'm, I'm sorry, excuse me. So I stopped and turned around. Yes. And this lovely woman looked at me and said, I, I'm sorry to bother you. I don't know you, but I've seen you walking before. I just wanted to say to you, I'm so sorry about what happened in Atlanta. I hope you're okay. I'm so glad that you are here. I was shocked by those words. And I stood there at almost 8 in the morning on Grenada Street right out here. And I started to cry, just looking at her, and she's looking at me. I eventually choked out, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your kindness. I'm doing really well, but I'm really grateful for your words. And she smiled and I smiled back. And we waved at each other because we can't hug. I turned around and I walked here. I was coming down that hallway and Tom R., our senior pastor, was coming out of his office. And he said, hey, how you doing? And I stopped, and I started to cry again. He was alarmed. <laughs> but then I told him the story. I said, Tom, you need to hear what just happened to me. And he got teary. And then I said, you can't use that in a sermon. This is my sermon illustration, <laughs> not yours. And he said, but I can use it after you use it. I said, yes, you can use it after I use it. Then the following week, I get this cryptic message from John Hall, Dr. John Hall, who's one of our members here. Uh, Dr. Hall is one of those who uh, the late Congressman John Lewis says certain people make good trouble. John Hall is one of the good trouble people, right? So I get this cryptic message from Dr. John Hall asking about my routine of walking back and forth. And I said, yeah, I'm still walking back and forth. And he's like, okay, good. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm fine. And he says, okay, so when's the next time you're going to walk back and forth to home? What time in the morning do you decide? It's usually after 7, usually pretty early. He goes, oh, okay, well, when do you walk home? I said, well, it depends on the day. 
I can get home whenever I'm done with meetings or whatever. He goes, okay, well, let me know next time you walk home. I said, okay. Uh, then Charlotte Davison, who also causes good trouble around here, also a member, one of our ruling elders, she checked in with me after having talked to Dr. Hall and said, so on Monday, are you going to be walking home? And I said, yeah, actually, I will. What time would that be? I said, Charlotte, I probably around, I've got a meeting probably around 7. And she said, okay, thank you. And that was it. So I'm in a meeting that afternoon, late afternoon, into the early evening with Tom and some others of you, right? And it gets to be almost seven, and Tom R. turns to me and says, I think you need to go. And I said, I'm sorry? He said, Roger, I think it's almost seven. You should go home. I said, Tom, the meeting's not done. And he goes, no, but I think you should leave. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, Roger, I think you need to go. North entrance. Go to the north entrance. I'm like, Why? And he said, okay, there are some people who are going to meet you out there. And I said, whom? And he said, just go, Roger. It's not after seven. Just go. So I get my things and I get up and I look back at him and he's grinning, which always makes me nervous. <laughs> so I get my stuff out of my office. I walk out the north entrance and there's Charlotte Davison. There's Bruce. There's John Hall. And 37 other of you. And I'm like, hi, what are you doing here? And you all said, we're going to walk you home. We want to make sure you're safe. I thought to myself, okay, thank you, but you know, I'm bigger than a number of you and probably faster, so if I was in trouble, I could outrun any of you, probably. <laughs> but that really wasn't the point. Words matter. We have the power to hurt and tear down. Our words have the power to heal and to build up, to create a reality in which people can live and thrive. We get thrown lots of words at us all the time, that you are worthless, that you are beyond redemption, that you don't matter that no one would love you, or you are loving the wrong people, or you cannot possibly be engaged in that activity because that's wrong. You cannot, we get all these words, all these words that you are not smart enough, you are not tall enough, you are not thin enough, you are not young enough, you are not, you are not, you are not. I'm telling you these days, those words are all lies. Because we, by the grace of God, in the Holy Spirit know the truth and the truth is that you are created in the image of the living God you are a child of God and Sally just said it there is nothing you can do or not do that separates you from the love of Christ there's nothing you can do or not do friends take up Brooks challenge Let's go this day and the days ahead with words that build up and heal. Let's not choose words that hurt and tear down. Because the mothering God has shown us what it means to love. And how can we do anything less but love in return? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, 
Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.